I'd like for you to take God's word with me, please, and turn to the New Testament book of John. John chapter 16, and um, we are sort of in between series at the moment. We just finished up last Wednesday night, many of you know, looking through the seven churches of Revelation, and um, we were hoping our brother would be with us tonight to share with us the work of Sazra. And so I believe God has led us to John 16 for this evening, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to preach God's Word. There's nothing that I enjoy more, I don't think, than preaching the Word of God. And in my own reading this week, through the McShane Bible reading plan, I was reading this chapter. Of course, uh, the Lord has brought my attention to some thoughts that are found here. John chapter 16, beginning in verse number 31. Uh, I'll tell you what we'll do. We're, we're going to spend a little bit more time. Uh, we'll back it up a bit more. And let's read beginning in verse 19. And uh, the context of this uh, chapter really begins back in chapter 13. And you say, well, that's a big context. Well, uh, from chapter 13 is the Passover. That last meal together with the disciples. And from that time... We have a lot recorded for us over just a few hours. In fact, it's quite remarkable to imagine that chapter after chapter after chapter is given to the conversations that Jesus is having with his disciples before he's arrested and, the, and then crucified. So in chapter 13, uh, we, we read of, of um, the Last Supper there together. Judas betrays Jesus. He goes out. And then chapter 14, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. He begins to explain to them what's going to happen. He's going to be crucified. He's going to leave. And it's interesting, uh, from chapter 13 all the way to chapter 16, 15 different times, Jesus says, I go. I go to my father. 15 times. 15 times that night he told them he was leaving. And then we come uh, to this portion in John chapter 16 and verse number 17. Look at it with me. And then said some of his disciples among themselves, what is this that he saith unto us? A little while and you shall not see me. And again, a little while and you shall see me. And because I go to the father 15 times, he told his disciples he was going. And now they're trying to figure out what did he mean? They said, therefore, what is this that he saith a little while? We cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him. And so he said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said, A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, uh, a little while, and ye shall see me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Of course, he's talking about his crucifixion. They were going to weep over it. The world was going to be happy that he was crucified. Ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. I think it's a very amazing thing, a very sweet thing, that Jesus would tell them what was going to happen. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice. In your joy no man taketh from you. 
and in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Here, hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs or parables. But I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name. And I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you. Because ye have loved me. And have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him. Lo, now speakest thou plainly. And speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We trust that God will bless the reading and the hearing of his word tonight. Now, I've circled in my Bible, verse number 31. Do ye now believe? And that's a question that every one of us must ask ourselves. Do you believe now? Now, Jesus had been speaking to these disciples for three years teaching, carefully training, carefully showing, exhibiting his power, demonstrating his love, proving who he was. And now they're beginning to understand things and they say quite confidently, now we are sure that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. We don't need to ask you anything. Any, we don't need to ask you. We believe. We believe. Now, the truth is, they didn't quite get it all. We know that by the events that follow. But they thought they did. And Jesus says, do you now believe? And I wonder tonight, before we go any, any further, do you now believe? Now, I just mentioned that the, the entire context of chapter 16 begins way back in chapter 13. And we find in chapter 13 the story, the account, the narrative of the Last Supper. But in chapter 16, the very first verse says, these things have I spoken unto you. Now he says that at least three times in this chapter. These things have I spoken unto you. And he gives a reason of why he's saying these things. But look at the first verse of chapter 16. These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. Now that word offended, the Greek word is scandalizo. Can you guess what that sounds like? Scandalized. 
These things have I spoken unto you. Now, literally, what that means, that you should not be offended, is that you would be caused to lose your trust and confidence in someone. And Jesus says, I'm telling you this because I want you to know what's going to happen. So that when it does happen, you don't think, what's going on? Why is all this happening to me? Why are all these bad things happening? I thought we were supposed, he was going to come and set up his kingdom and everything's going to be fine and dandy. No, no, no. Jesus goes through great effort to explain to his disciples the reality of following him. If anybody is offended because the Christian life proves to be harder than they anticipated, it isn't because Jesus didn't warn them. Jesus made it very clear. In, in just one chapter, in many chapters, one evening, in one night, the night of the Passover, beginning in chapter 13 and verse number 21, let me give you just a few examples. In verse 21, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Jesus told them, look, one of you is the devil. One of you is going to turn your back on me. Now, I think that's, that's, that's very interesting that Jesus would open up their eyes and say, not everybody that calls himself a follower of me is a follower of me. He told that way back in the Sermon on the Mount, didn't he? And now it comes to the last night, and he says, look, one of you are going to betray me. He begins to, he begins to explain it. Verse number 21, he says this, but all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. That's chapter 15, pardon me. In chapter 13, verse number 21 says this, uh, Verily, verily, one of you shall betray me. And chapter uh, 13, verse 31 says this, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you. And that's, thus he begins to say again, 15 times, beginning there in verse number 33, that he's going. He's going. In verse number 33, I go. In verse number 36, I go. In chapter 14, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4, I go, I go, I go. And Jesus began to explain that he was going to leave. In chapter 15, in verse number 18, Jesus says this, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. In chapter 15, verse 20, remember, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. That last night, Jesus explained very clearly, some of you will betray me. I'm going to leave. The world's going to hate you. The world's going to persecute you. Chapter 16, he says that I'm writing these things so you won't be offended when it happens. In verse 2, they shall put you out of the synagogues. You're going to get kicked out of churches. Worshiping places. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. service. They're not only going to kick you out of the synagogues, they're going to kill you. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. I'm telling you, I'm telling you all of this. Verse 4, but these things have I told you that when the time shall come, 
You, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you, but now I go. Why did he put such an emphasis at the end of his ministry to tell them all, now all through his ministry he told them? But especially at the end, because he was leaving. They were going to be alone without him. And thus we come to our text and the end of chapter 16, do ye now believe? I want you to believe. You need, you need to believe. And look what our text says. Do ye now believe? Because, or behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come. You need to really believe my word. Because the time is coming. All that I've been telling you about is about to kick off, Jesus was saying. All that I've been telling over and over, I told you I was going to be crucified. I told you they were going to kill me. I told you I was going to be raised again. It's about to happen. And if you don't believe me now, you're going to be in trouble. Now, I know that Jesus is speaking specifically and directly to the 12, 11 at this point, about what was going to happen regarding and surrounding his death and their persecution. But there's much as well to be applied to our own lives. Because Jesus didn't just speak about the time surrounding his death. He also spoke about the time surrounding his second return, the second coming of Christ. He told us these things. He told us that things were going to be like this in the world. And if you don't believe in his word now, you are never going to be ready when things really kick off. If you're wavering now... You will never be ready when things really kick off. Look what he says. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come. What? That ye shall be scattered. Every man to his own. Literally, every man to his own home. And, look what it says. And shall leave me alone. I want you to be ready. I want you to believe now because the time is coming when two things are going to happen. Very specifically, you're going to be scattered to your own homes and you're going to leave me. Now that is a direct prophecy and it happened. Matthew 26, verse 56, Mark 14, verse 50. And they all forsook him and fled. John chapter 21, if you fast forward, turn a couple of pages to the right. Verses 1 to 3, you find the disciples. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. They were together, Simon, Peter, Thomas, and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of the disciples. There they were in Galilee. That's where they were from. Scattered back to their own homes. Exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. Why? Because that's exactly what he used to be. That's the natural default position in difficult times. The natural default position in difficult times is to go back to what you used to be. And if you aren't ready, if you don't believe in his word and understand that the times are upon us, as Jesus says in chapter 16, behold, the hour cometh and is now come. If you don't understand that then you will go back to your own homes as it were go back to what you used to do and so jesus says do you now believe because the hour cometh 
The hour cometh when you'll be scattered and you'll leave me alone. But, look what he says. Yet, I am not alone. You're going to leave me. You're going to leave me alone, but yet, yet, but I'm not alone. Now, I want you to know that throughout Christ's entire ministry, he labored to show the disciples in the whole world that he was not alone. He labored. He wanted all to know that he was not alone. And the reason he could say that was not because he was mentally disturbed. He was able to say, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Now, at first glimpse, we might imagine that Jesus is trying to defend and prove his deity. And that's what we think, perhaps, you know, uh, John chapter 8 and all through the book of John, Jesus is trying to help people understand that he is, he is God in the flesh, God's own son, and he and the Father are one. Let me give you a few verses. And all through Christ's ministry, he belabors this point. John 8, verse 16, the Bible says this, And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. Chapter 8, verse number 29, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Chapter 10, and verse number 38, Jesus says it again. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that you may know, and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. And John chapter 14, verse number 10, and verse number 11, we find the same thing. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? Verse number 11, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Over and over and over, Jesus labored to show these people that God the Father was always with him. Now, why did he do that? Was it just to prove who he was? No, 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 no. That's, I'm sure, part of it. But I think there's another purpose. And Jesus diligently speaking of his unity with the Father. And here's where I believe that purpose is found. I want you to know, yet I'm not alone, Jesus says, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you. Why? That in me ye might have peace. Perhaps the reason Jesus labored early in his ministry to prove that God the Father was always with him and in him was so that when the time came, we might find peace in Christ. Much of what Jesus taught was for us, was for you. It wasn't for his benefit. It wasn't for uh, proving who he was and for vindicating his ministry. It was for you. All that he had just spoken was that we might have peace. That's what he says. Now, how does that bring peace? You're going to be hated. You're going to be persecuted, put out of the synagogue, killed, scattered. Now, how on earth does that bring peace? I'll tell you why. There's one key we're missing. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In me. There's one key phrase. In Christ. We find peace in all of our hatred towards us and all the persecution we have to face and being put out of the synagogues and being put out of our homes and being scattered abroad. We'll find peace in Christ. But if you're not looking in Christ, you'll have no peace in all of that. 
So why does Jesus help you? Wants you to understand that he and the Father are one. I'll tell you exactly why. Because Jesus says, you may all leave me. But I am never alone because the Father is with me. Fast forward to the crucifixion. Fast forward to the burial. Fast forward to the resurrection. When Jesus stands before his disciples in a resurrected body. In Matthew chapter 28. And he gives us that famous passage of scripture. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Now watch what just happened. Jesus had died. He had was buried, had risen from the grave, and he stands before his disciples, and he says, I want you to know that as you go about doing what I was doing, I am always with you. And I want to remind you that God the Father is always with me. And so if I'm always with you, then God the Father is also always with you. The Bible says this, uh, this is an amazing principle. Paul writes to the Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's accomplished by the promise of the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 14 and 15 of John, just before John 16, Jesus tells him, look, I'm going away so I can send the comforter to you. All this becomes a reality. God the Father in Jesus, Jesus in you, that becomes a reality by the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And now the Bible says all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in Jesus. And so all the power of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. Think about that. And so Jesus says, I'm telling you these things. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. There's no peace outside of these walls of this tent. I think you know that right by now. There's no peace on the television. Might as well not even turn it on. No peace in the newspaper or on the radio. But there's peace in Jesus Christ. And though the storm rages all around the boat, if Jesus be in the boat, there'll be peace in the boat. And so Jesus says, I want you to know, yes, you will be hated, and yes, you will be persecuted, and yes, you will be put out, and yes, you'll even be scattered. But I am with you. And if I be with you, God is with you. And I am telling you this, that you can have peace in me. In me. Think about that. I wonder this evening if you are resting in Christ. Now, all this begins to make sense, especially when you think about the other thing in John chapter 15. That's that same night. Same night of the Passover. Remember chapter 13, it begins. Uh, he begins to tell them the things that are going to happen. Chapter 14, he look, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to my father's house. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'd go to prepare a place for you. He's telling them he's going. I'm going to send the comforter to you. And then in chapter 15, that famous chapter follows in succession. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch, next two words, in me. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch in me that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. He had already been talking about being in him. He had already talked, was already talking about all that you need is found in him. He was already talking about that. Everything you need is in Christ. He says it here. Ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me. Stay in Christ. 
Abide in Christ. Live in Christ. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. In me, in me, in me, in me, in me. In me you shall have peace, nowhere else. In me you'll have joy, nowhere else. He goes on. Verse 6, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If ye abide in me, my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. But you got to abide in him. He goes on, herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. You see, in Christ, you find peace. In Christ, you find true joy. In Christ, you find power and strength that you never would have had. But the key to all of this is in him. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Think about that. In the world, outside of this tent, tribulations waiting, difficulties waiting, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Now, how could he say that? Hey, look, right outside that door, there's, a, there's an old devil waiting to jump on your back when you walk out. That's nice. Thank you. But be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, but don't worry. I've knocked the world flat on its back, Jesus said. And he could say that because he knew he was about to walk to the cross of Calvary and defeat the world he was going to defeat sin, and he was going to defeat the consequence of sin, which is hell itself. I've overcome the world. So here's what Jesus is saying. I want you to be sure about what's coming and what to expect, but I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to have peace. I want you to have joy. And I want you to know I have already overcome it. Can I tell you, you have nothing to be afraid of. Jesus has won. Game over. Finished. He's already conquered. It's not that he's going to conquer. He's conquer. He's already done it. He is victorious. And so Jesus wants you to know, before he leaves, he's telling these disciples. And before he comes back, he's telling us, I've already overcome. Just hold on tight. Buckle up. Be ready. But game over. It's done. And may the Lord help us to rest in Christ whilst we wait. May he help us keep our eyes on the Savior whilst we wait. So many people right now are losing their minds, panicking, nervous, nervous about everything. You have no reason to be. Rest in Christ. Trust in him. Because in him and in him alone will you have peace. You can always tell if somebody's resting in the Savior, do they have peace? Do they have joy? Do they have victory? Because I have overcome the world. Christ, over, you can't overcome the world. You think you and I can go out there and fight this system? 
You think you can put the boxing gloves on and step into the ring with, with the global elite and fight the system? Not a chance. Jesus already took care of the forces of evil on the cross. They think they're winning, but they're defeated. Trust in Christ. Rest in him. He is victorious. Do ye now believe? I hope so. All that you need is found in the Savior. Don't look anywhere else. Don't find your expectation and your hope and your deliverance. Don't look anywhere else besides Jesus Christ and get into his word because he already told us these things were going to happen. He told us. You wouldn't know that unless you read his word. And that brings peace, just like it brought peace to the disciples. They knew what was going to happen. Let it comfort you. Let it guide you. Let it help you. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads tonight before we sing our last hymn. Father, help us in these days. Help us to keep our eyes fixed firmly upon our Savior, to realize that in Him is all that we need. Help us to find our joy and satisfaction in Christ. Help us to rest in the Savior. We pray for Thy help, even tonight. Help us to believe all that is written within this book. Lead us and guide us, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.